Welcome back to Camp Half Pod. We are your head counselors. I am Erin, daughter of Athena. And I'm Manasa, daughter of Persephone. This week we're talking about chapter 16 through 18 of the Titan's Curse. read these chapters and I was like I can't make any jokes <laughs> they're all sad <laughs> they're all so sad that I think that the comments that I have through these chapters are just more analytical ones rather than stupid theories or anything like that same <laughs> but we finally get to the climax of the book like everything goes down in these three chapters like we've been building up to it but these three chapters are the ones where we finally get the action, like the real bad guy, mm-hmm. the real action, and then super tragic. Yeah. These are some some big heavy hitters. All right. So with that, I'll start us off just because we have a lot to cover. So mm-hmm. chapter 16, we meet the dragon of eternal bad breath. At least the chapter titles are still kind of funny. Yeah, I know. And the it's content, like, sad. Chapter mm-hmm. titles, still funny. It's whatever Percy chooses to fixate on, and it's not the sadness. It's the stupid little um, things he notices. Yeah. All right, the squad is on the move, but they're slowed down by the fact that they have to make sure that Bessie doesn't get left behind. She seems to be a slow swimmer, and I, like, answer my own thought by the way that I'm having right here like three like sentences later like she's a slow swimmer but like how did she get all the way from Long Island to the Hoover Dam at the same speed of them riding the boar and the super fast blessed train but okay whatever they're heading towards the Golden Gate Bridge but the sun is already starting to set and they're running out of time Zoe explains that they have to make it to the garden at sunset because they can only enter the garden as day changes into night don't make it in time they have to wait until the next day where the solstice will be over and artemis would have missed the meeting it's kind of funny that that's the stakes because like they're not it's not like artemis will die. <laughs> like oh she can't go to a meeting <laughs> yeah and the fact that they are like hey artemis is in chains and in trouble apollo can like vouch for that uh can we move the meeting one day yeah, Zeus would be like, no. It's just like, not important. My daughter can suffer. Yeah. yeah. Grover gets a brilliant idea, which answers my earlier question, because apparently Ophiotauruses, or an Ophiotaurus, can appear in any body of water. So it's not about speed. It's just apparition, apparently. Which also would have been like, can you apparate into the water that we're trying to go to? Sea cow? But apparently not. Anyway. She's a baby. Or he's a baby. They, it. Yeah. Yeah. Grover says that he can guide Bessie to Long Island so that he can be protected by Chiron, which Percy is shocked about because Grover is not a huge fan of the water. But Grover's like, I'm the only one who can talk to him. And honestly, this is my own sidebar. What else is he going to contribute to the group in a garden fighting a large dragon? Like... No offense to Grover, but protecting the animal. Playing confusion songs. <laughs> In the background. Against, like, mo- it's confusion yeah. songs against mortals is one thing. Confusion songs against a dragon and other, like, monsters clearly doesn't work. So he being, you know, first of all, he's a protector, apparently. Going and protecting this little sea cow, which is a little helpless animal, is, like, ideal for him. Perfect job title. So Percy makes a prayer to keep Bessie and Grover safe to Poseidon, but Talia says that it needs a bigger sacrifice, like a, a prayer that that big. It can't just be like, hey, dad, I'll owe you one. And also, like, it's not my fault you created me. But whatever. <laughs> Percy chooses his lion's coat, which kind of wins Zoe over. Like, Percy notices Zoe's watching him while he sacrifices the coat and Grover's in the background being like what are you doing like that's Hercules's coat and that's when Percy makes the connection of like oh the the hero that like screwed Zoe over was Hercules which took him like 17 chapters to figure out but it's okay oh Percy oh Percy Percy kind of like makes eye contact with Zoe and is like I am not Hercules like material objects don't matter to me like it's fine and he sacrifices the coat, which ends up disappearing into the water, and then golden light, and like you can feel a blessing. So it's like, okay, we're good. Grover's like, but it was a cool coat. <laughs> it was so stylish. Yeah. 
After the sacrifice, Grover and Bessie disappear into the water, hopefully headed towards Camp Half-Blood. Talia had mentioned that they need a car, so they try to think of how to get one. She has contact information for Annabeth's dad. We call him Professor or Dr. Chase. And they're like, okay, let's go ask him. Percy's expecting Professor Chase to look like the devil just because Annabeth has talked so badly about him. But he looks like a typical nerd and he springs into action when they kind of imply that, you know, Annabeth's in trouble and they're her friends. He takes them to his like house and it's filled with Legos and it smells of fresh baked cookies. Percy's expecting it to be a dungeon, so he's fully shocked. Like he can't imagine that Annabeth can have a bad time when, you know, it looks like it's nice. It's the idea that like it has to also look like a bad time for him to believe it's it was a bad time mm. for her. That's where they kind of meet Annabeth's younger half-brothers who are like running around like crazy. And then her stepmother comes out and then brings them all cookies and sandwiches. She's like, they have like a little cute moment where she's like, oh, who are you guys? And she, like, he, she finds out Dr. Chase never even asked them their names. He was just like, oh God, I have to save my daughter. So she's mm-hmm. like, can I feed you anything? This and that. And then she like looks at Percy and she's like, nice to meet you, Percy. I've heard a lot about you. Which I was like, what does that mean? Like, if Annabeth hates her stepmom, why would Percy come up in conversation? Unless, like... That's how much she talks about Percy. (laughs) (laughs) Which I think I'm, like, obsessed with it. It's so cute. Mm -hmm. Professor Chase is a professor of military history. And in his study, he has books and replicas of battles. And it's, like, all over, strewn everywhere. Zoe blows his mind by like walking to one of his replicas of a battle with against Germany and somewhere else. And he's like, oh, I was at this battle. The German lines were farther than the lines you've drawn, which he like, you know, shits his pants essentially because he's like, oh my God, how do you know? And she's like, I was there. We, Artemis actually was involved in this battle and it happened like several hundred years ago. And the professor is just like hyperventilating because first he gets new information that obviously has a great source and also like you know this this child is immortal and is just like talking to him about the pastimes but (laughs) (laughs) they quickly kind of calm him down and are like hey listen we need to catch you up on everything that's happened and we need transportation up mount um tamalapis i have no idea how to say that tamalapis I'm glad that they colloquially call it Mount Tam because, <laughs> I don't know, Tamil pace? I don't know. I feel, like I feel like it sounds wrong. Is it an actual mountain in San Francisco, though? It must be. You know, someone well, someone who once lived in San Francisco, I should know this. Well, well anyone, any Tam. listeners in San Francisco, how do you say that? <laughs> it's a peak. Okay. Does it have a little pronunciation? It does point? not. It's just like no. good luck, I guess. Yeah, okay. Okay, anyway, I digress. The professor wants to drive, especially because Annabeth's in danger, but Talia's like, I'm of age, or I can at least, I know how to drive, and Zoe also knows how to drive, and you really can't help. And eventually, Professor Chase is like, okay, like, I'll relent, because I understand that you guys aren't mortal, and as much as I want to help, I know I'll get in the way, essentially. So as they're running out the door with the keys, Mrs. Chase calls out to Percy. Percy, tell Annabeth, tell her she still has a home here. Will you remind her of that? Which made me, like, a little emotional. Because yeah. I'm like, what? what's going on? I, I really would love Annabeth's perspective. Because yeah. I think it would be one funny. Because yeah. in Percy's point of view, he's like doing the right thing constantly. So when he's an idiot, I think it would be hilarious to see that from Annabeth's perspective. But also when he constantly thinks he's an idiot, Annabeth would be seeing him as like this hero and like, oh my god, he's doing the best that he can and he's doing so well. I think that would also mm-hmm. be very funny. It would be very entertaining. And yeah, this the, their relationship with her uh, stepmom and dad are like... It's such a complicated, like, I feel like there's so much going on there that we just don't know. Even when we get her perspective in Heroes of Olympus, there's still so much going on there. I know. So Talia and Zoe bicker, and they try to make it through San Francisco traffic and to the garden in time before sunset. And as they start climbing the mountain, everything starts smelling like eucalyptus, which is apparently a smack of the monsters. And Percy's just like, it smells like breath mints and i'm like okay what kind of breath mints sure, smells buddy. like eucalyptus 
I think it, it was either – he said either toothpaste or breath mints or something that I was just like, sure. Like – and it's funny how they have to be like, well, where would have Percy encountered a eucalyptus? How can he just, like, ask Zoe, why does it smell like this? So he's like, why does it smell like this random thing that it's never eucalyptus? Or if it is eucalyptus, it's very rare. What, you don't think Percy is using essential oils? <laughs> <laughs> you would think with having grown up with Gabe, some a man named Smelly Gabe, he would yeah. know that a little bit more. Yeah. But I don't fine. know. I don't know. <laughs> Zoe explains that Mount Tam is actually called Mount Despair, and the story is after the war between the Titans and the gods, Kronos' right-hand man, the general, was imprisoned on the summit just beyond the Garden of Hesperides. The mist is super strong on the mountain, so they have to really concentrate to make sure they're actually seeing reality and driving correctly. Percy glances down the cliff at the water and sees Luke's ship that is docked. And he's like, oh god, something's gonna, something's gonna happen now. We're gonna really have to fight our way out of this one for sure. Percy suddenly senses something that is, something's wrong. But it's Talia that shouts to stop the car and grabs everyone out of the car before it explodes via lightning bolt. Talia saves them with her shield and is furious. She's like, one shall perish by a parent's hand. And she curses Zeus. She's like, why would you, like, I never thought it would be you, you asshole. But Percy's like, I don't like Zeus either, and I'm not his biggest fan, but I really don't think it was him. But Talia doesn't really believe him. She's like, no, I'm like, she's really mad at Zeus, and she's really upset with the situation. Percy's like, no, I think Kronos is trying to play with your emotions and play with your mind, make you think that Zeus would have killed you. I really don't think it was him. That doesn't make any logical sense. Yeah, because Zeus, like, he hates his kids, but he also is like, that's my kid. The best yeah. of all demigods, because it's mine, but also I will never pay it any attention. <laughs> He's like the, the typical dad from the movies who's like child is a football star, but he doesn't want any actual care and responsibility of growing the child. Yeah, he like only cares yeah. that it's a football star. Exactly. Like Troy's dad in um, High School Musical. <laughs> <laughs> exactly he's like you're not a basketball star boy what are you he needs to learn to accept that some of his children are going to be theater stars <laughs> oh man zoe tells them to be quiet Layden is just around the corner and they creep towards the garden i'm sorry i think you mean landon my boy Landon. Landon. The garden is exactly how Percy had seen it in his dream, with shadows and flowers. It's very lush. And there's a huge tree with golden glittering apples. And they are the apples of immortality, which was a wedding gift to Hera from her ever-doting and loyal husband, Zeus. Mm. Husband material right there. I mean, also the idea that you give your already immortal wife... <laughs> of immortality honestly that's the worst gift it's like great i already have this so <laughs> now i have to have the responsibility of guarding these apples yeah. from mortals because if they eat it then it's going to become a problem for us maybe it was all just a distraction like he was like here's a project honey so i can go <laughs> on you <laughs> again and again <laughs> Layden is curled around the tree and it described as like he has a serpent's body with so many heads that Percy can't count. Four women appear in front of the gang, Zoe's sisters who don't acknowledge her as their sister and they're like, you're, you're gonna die. And then they kind of glance at Percy and they were like, this is who they quote unquote are, are so afraid of. Like why? <laughs> it's not much. <laughs> And Percy's like, wait, me? They're scared of me? And the, the sisters explain to him that, yes, they're really afraid of what he might do. And they were hoping that Talia would have killed him by now. Like, that was one of the main reasons they brought her back. Hmm. Which I thought was so funny. Because I was just like, I went on a little, like, spiral here. Because this is, again, the theme of Kronos acting like expecting everyone else to act like he would so he's like i've seen how the gods and my children how i am around my family and if someone else is as equal of power as me the only reaction is to kill them 
So if we bring Talia and Percy and we like make them compete for the prophecy, which is an honor to have that much power, they're obviously going to kill each other. And then the exact opposite happens. Neither They're playing hot potato with the prophecy mm-hmm. of being the hero of the prophecy. And they also just like really care and love each other. But a lot of that caring and love each other is that tie, which is Annabeth, who Cronus did not expect mm-hmm. to be as important as she is. Mm-hmm. So, you know... That's his downfall, and uh, sucks to suck. <laughs> the power of love. The power of love. They were like, well, we'll just raise our voices and wake late on, and that's wait. Then he'll kill all of you before you have a chance to do anything. And Zoe's like, oh, please, late on wouldn't hurt me. Percy's not so sure, because Zoe hasn't been part of the sisters or in living in the gardens for, like, eons now. But... I think Zoe's trying to take that power of like holding it over her head away from her sisters because she then yells and wakes up late on herself. She's like, okay, you guys, late going to focus on me. So you guys run up the mountain and avoid the tree because he only cares about guarding a tree. That's his only job. So if you're not near the tree, he won't attack you and he's going to be focused on me the whole time. That works only for a few minutes because while they're running up the mountain, Percy sees the dragon lunge at Zoe and the only reason she dodges it is because she's been training for 2,000 plus years with the hunters and she runs out them up the mountain with them. Unfortunately, he manages to take a bite out of Zoe before they can fully get away but she seems to be fine and she recovers and she dodges and walks away. Once they get to the top of the mountain, they see the ruins of Mount Othrys. Sure. Othrys? Sure. And they see that, that those ruins have now moved to the top of this mountain. And Mount Othrys was the mountain forest of the Titans. And it's moved here, which is bad news because it was Atlas's mountain where he holds up the sky. This is all Zoe explaining it because, like, Percy has no history lesson whatsoever in his life. <laughs> it's usually Annabeth. It's usually Annabeth, yeah. They go to the top where it looks like a mount- the mountain is meeting the sky, and that is where Artemis is holding up the sky while being tied down in chains. Zoe is immediately a mess. She runs towards her goddess and is sobbing hysterically. The general is waiting for them, standing in his suit behind them. I'm like, of course he is. <laughs> Loser. Just a villainous moment, just waiting. And in dress for the occasion with the suit. <laughs> Artemis even says, like, it's a trap, and they're like, yeah, we know, it's fine. Like, it's always going to be a trap. That's <laughs> all they do is set traps and wait. True. Luke is also there with a sarcophagus of Kronos and about a half a dozen Dracaena, and Annabeth, who's looking pretty rough. She's tied up with chains and has a gag in her mouth. Luke also looks rough, too, and is refusing to release Annabeth. He's like, it's the general's decision, but it's so good to see you again, Talia. Ugh. Like, mm, ugh. Percy figures out that the general is Atlas, and Percy stands in front of Zoe to protect her from Atlas's wrath. Atlas sneers and says, you have no right to interfere, this is a family matter, in which finally Zoe reveals that Atlas is her father. Gasp. Gasp. I have a couple of thoughts, so bear with me. So when I was reading the Hoover Dam chapter, when... Percy, Grover, and Talia are just basically rattling off facts and just like really missing Annabeth aloud and very openly emotional about it. Zoe is just staring at them. And at that point, I thought that was weird because it's not like Zoe isn't loved by her friends Mm -hmm. and she doesn't have like a tight-knit family too. I was like, why is she like looking at them like a child who's never experienced friendship? But then I got it, I think, at this chapter is the fact that she's like, I can experience family and friendship, but heroes, who is like Percy, especially in her eyes, the hero, mm-hmm. he's not like how she expected him at all. He keeps continuing to be openly emotional, care about Annabeth, care about Talia, put his life in front in danger for his friends. And then, like, throw away material objects that would have brought him honor honor and glory. And she's like, no, you have to stick to the template so I can hate you. (laughs) It feels like Percy's like, not all heroes. (laughs) Not all men. But it does feel like, I do like that Percy isn't, like, because it does feel like it's this weird 
like tension between Zoe just hating all heroes and also all men. And yeah. she learns through Percy's actions that like, hey, not every hero is like this. But it's not like the gross, like where Percy is constantly saying he's not like this. He yeah. just kind of the way he is proves it to Zoe. And it's like, you know, lesson for all the men out there. <laughs> just just actions, be good. <laughs> actions are louder than words. Yeah. It is all men, if you're all gonna say not all men. <laughs> <laughs> I also thought it was the idea of like this is a new breed of heroes. Yeah, the modern like, this is a hero. new generation. Yeah, and it's not just Percy. Like Talia is included in that. Annabeth's included in that. These are a new mm-hmm. breed of heroes who like put their friends and their family and what they believe is right above honor and glory and what the gods are saying is true. Ooh, I bet it's also like Zoe is because Zoe seems to have the opinion like like how the tension with Talia and Zoe is because Zoe tried to convince Talia to become a hunter and Talia was like, I don't want that. And Zoe was like, that's stupid. Maybe it's also because Zoe came from a world where women weren't allowed to be heroes. Like being a hunter was the only option they had to be a hero. And Mm -hmm. this modern hero, like Annabeth is a hero and she's not a hunter. And Talia is a hero both before she's a hunter and after she's a hunter, you know? Like, yeah, it's there's just different options for women now. And Zoe is kind of despite being alive for like 2000 years, maybe she just wasn't paying attention. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's one I mean, to be fair, I'm sure that this women being heroes has been very recent in the yeah. span of 2000 years. True. It's like the last 10 to 15 years, which is like minuscule in her life. Oh, true. Yeah, it's like a blip. Mm hmm. My other thought, I, I mean, I already told you about, like, I thought Annabeth's home life is very interesting. Mm-hmm. The other thing is I really love this idea where Percy is very much the, like, a little bit anti-toxic masculinity where he's, like, very openly affectionate. He very much cares about his mom. Mm-hmm. He's, like, emotional, this and that. But at the same time, he still is, like like what 14 so it's very important to him to be like manly or whatever his definition of manly is Mm -hmm. so I love and I like fixate on the fact that he can never call like someone attractive without having a oh yeah this and that for example he notices Dr. Chase is like attractive he's like he's handsome but like for an older like an old man you know like if I was first into men Yeah, it's okay. We'll forgive you. And then, like, he's just, in ch- like, so upset that Luke is no longer hot. Like, it's just ruining his life. He's like, Z- Luke looks so, jo- like, Every time he sees so Luke. bad. <laughs> so first is, like, his appearance. So like, what is he wearing? Is he as attractive as he was to me before? <laughs> um, and this and that. But then he has to preface it with all of this, like, you know, like, bro and, like, that also goes back to like the first couple of books where he gives Annabeth a hug, but he gives a handshake to Grover. I'm like, just a hug your bro, you weirdo. Yeah. I am obsessed with the fact that Kronos expected Talia to have killed Percy, and that's like the one reason he brought her back. But she's like, Percy's like my brother, and I love him. Yeah. She's like, I don't really like him, but I love him. <laughs> yeah. And like, we make a good team, and we're learning, like, in the span of like, what she's been awake from being a tree for maybe six months at most like they're already very so close post tree the post tree post tree before tree um, <laughs> i've decided that this book is the theme of what is family because Ooh. annabeth has um the her whole like she has a picture perfect family in theory but she feels so out of place out of it and she feels like she doesn't belong and clearly there's some other things that we don't know about going on under the surface and then with zoe it's the same thing she's like standing in front of these four women who are supposed to be her blood sisters but she feels more loyalty to her the hunters and to artemis who's her true family and then Talia is supposed to kill Percy for power and all of this other stuff, but she finds instead the family. So I was just like, this is the theme. This is the theme of the, the Titan's Curse. Totally. I love that. Hmm. This episode is brought to you by Bumble. 
So you want to find someone you're compatible with, specifically someone who's ready for a serious connection, totally open to having kids in the future, is a tall rock climbing Libra, and loves rom-coms with vegan pizzas on Tuesdays just as much as you do. Bumble knows that you know exactly what's right for you. So whatever it is you're looking for, Bumble's features can help you find it. Date now on Bumble. to the next chapter then. (laughs) (laughs) Chapter 17, I put on a few extra million pounds. Another funny chapter title for not funny content. (laughs) So while Percy is grappling with the realization that Atlas is Zoe's dad, which I think is kind of funny that he's surprised by this because I feel like every book it's been like, surprise, my parent is this immortal figure. And like, (laughs) he himself is a child of Poseidon. But, you know, I guess it's just shocking to think that this evil man could produce Zoe, who is very cool. Atlas tries to goad Zoe into taking the sky for Artemis. He's like, go on, take it. And Artemis is like, no, I forbid you. Percy makes eye contact with Annabeth, who is clearly trying to communicate something to him, but he's just like, I have no idea what she's saying. Mm -hmm. And he's only able to just stare at her and notice that her hair is now streaked with gray. And Talia says it's from holding up the sky. The weight should have killed her. Which I'm like, why does Talia know all this? Talia knows. I know. She's learned so, maybe it's the wisdom of a tree, you know? nature sure nature's healing (laughs) percy asks what we're all thinking at this point why can't artemis just let go of the sky and atlas explains that the sky quote yearns to embrace the earth which i'm like that is so poetic i love that sentence and that someone must hold it at bay or else it would crush upon this place he says that once you have taken on the burden there's no escape unless someone takes it from you Um, So even if it feels as if it will physically crush you, you just, you can't put it down no matter what. And so it makes me wonder, like, is it, like, even, like, if if I were to hold up the sky and I'm, like, not that, I don't have good upper body strength, I'm not that strong, but, like, it has to be held up, so I would still have to hold it, you know? Yeah. Like, it couldn't really crush me. It would crush my soul. (laughs) Yeah, like you would be dead. Like the moment, like you would just be dead, but you'd still be holding it up, I guess. It's wild. Percy then straight up tells Atlas to fight him. Which is <laughs> a lot of gall there, Percy. Um, while Luke tries to get Talia to call the Ophia Taurus and kill it, he appeals to all the times that they talked while they were on the run together and they were cursing their fathers and bonding over their lack of, well, like anything, their lack of father, anything the fathers ever did. The fathers did nothing for them. Luke practically begs Talia to join them at the end, and in, like, a break of character, he loses all his arrogance and goading and says, it's my last chance. He will use the other way if you don't agree. Please. Which is like, hmm, what is the other way? That sounds questionable, but no time to think about that, because an army of monsters starts to unload from the Princess Andromeda ship and march towards them. And Percy sees Talia hesitate, no longer so resolute in her defiance of Luke. Because Luke's appealed to... Like, it, it, it's interesting because Luke's appealing to their fathers. It's not really breaking anything in Talia. But when Luke begs her, like, from... Like, it's just him begging her, saying, like, I'm, like, I'm in trouble. That's what appeals to her. Because there's still mm-hmm. that, like... Again, there's still that family bond that they... They had a found family, Talia, Luke, and Annabeth, and... Like, she has loyalty to him, even if she doesn't want to. But anyway, she hesitates for a moment, but then she levels her spear and she says, you aren't Luke, I don't know you anymore. So it's, I think that's when Talia just is finally like, this isn't the person who I thought was my family, which is very sad. Mm -hmm. And Percy, Talia, and Zoe then charge at a titan. Well, Talia goes for Luke. Percy says what is probably my favorite quote from this book, like, I laughed at this, where he says, As for me, I did the stupidest thing in my life, which is saying a lot. I attacked the Titan Lord Atlas. (laughs) You know, like, it's great. Good for you, Percy. Atlas pretty easily just slaps Percy into a wall, and then there's a callback to the first book, thanks to good old Ares, who cursed Percy way back in in, uh, The Lightning Thief, saying that when he needs it most, his sword will fail him. And so suddenly Riptide is just way too heavy, and Percy's like, are you kidding me right now? 
and he can't wield it. So Perseus slaps some more with a javelin and until he looks up and sees that he's at the feet of Artemis below the sky. Atlas is coming at Percy and Percy realizes like he can't fight Atlas. He'll be dead in a few minutes, but you know who could fight Atlas? Artemis. So unable to fight with his sword, Percy does the only thing he can think to do. He just, he's like begs Artemis to let him take the weight of the sky and she lets him even though she's like, you're gonna die. And he's like, this is like, I'm gonna die either way. Please let me take this. So she does. And she goes off to fight Atlas. And this is something I really love about this book. The way that Rick describes holding up the sky and the way that Percy quite literally can't explain it. I'm going to read a passage from the book. It says, Afterward, I tried to explain what it felt like. I couldn't. Every muscle in my body turned to fire. My bones felt like they were melting. I wanted to scream, but I didn't have the strength to open my mouth. I began to sink lower and lower to the ground, the sky's weight crushing me. Fight back, Grover's voice said inside my head. Don't give up. I concentrated on breathing. If I could just keep the sky aloft a few more seconds. I thought about Bianca, who had given her life so we could get here. If she could do that, I could hold the sky. And I'm like, oh, that, I, the fact that him thinking about Bianca in that minute where he's like, I literally can only hold on a few more seconds. But he's like, just a few seconds for her. I'm like, oof, that feels very metaphorical. And it's like, even though Percy literally has to hold up the sky, it feels as though any moment it will crush him and it's excruciating. And I was like reading this and I was like, that's life, man. <laughs> I, was like, I feel like I'm being, I was like, this is too deep, Aaron. But I was like, it feels really metaphorical. Like it's like the feeling of life or depression or grief or going through anything awful where it's like, it feels excruciating. Like you can't last a few more seconds, but somehow people do. Oh, it's beautiful. <laughs> anyway, so the battle wages on. Through his blurry vision, Percy sees Artemis fighting Atlas and leading him back towards Percy and the sky, like backing him up towards it. Atlas knocks Artemis onto the ground and Zoe comes in between her father and Artemis and shoots an arrow at Atlas's forehead. He knocks her out of the way and sends her flying into the black rocks. Artemis grabs his javelin shaft and uses it like a lever to flip him over to where Percy is. Percy moves out of the way just in time and the weight of the sky falls onto Atlas's back and he's trapped there once again. And this all kind of happens pretty fast, but I think it it works because it's through the lens of like Percy is under this like unbearable pain. Like it kind of is like he's not really there, you know? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's in so much pain. He's like almost like dissociated a bit. Like it's like he feels like he's like watching a movie of all of this. Also, it could totally happen really fast. Like, it's Artemis. Yeah. It's, the Titan is fighting a goddess, and he has help. Exactly. So. And he has been out of practice for a while, so... It's hmm. probably sore from holding up the sky, you know? Yeah. But the fight isn't over yet. Talia has backed Luke to the edge of the cliff, and nearly she nearly just kills him then. But Annabeth steps in and is like, no, we should bring him to Olympus for information... We should figure out what Kronos is doing. But I think this is just because Annabeth, like that loyalty hasn't been broken. Whereas with Talia, it was just broken in this chapter, I think, where she was like, you're not Luke. But with Annabeth, she still is clinging to this belief that Luke, deep down, can be a better person. But Talia doesn't listen to Annabeth. She's just like, mm, and then kicks him over the edge of the cliff. <laughs> and Luke tumbles into the rocks. <laughs> Well, Annabeth is also the daughter of Athena, right? Yeah. So she, if you think about if they had followed Annabeth's advice and he, they had somehow managed to get Luke to Olympus, they could have avoided, even if she, the gods punished him and even if the gods ended up like giving him eternal punishment instead of really like helping him the way Annabeth probably wanted, they could have avoided the next two books. Oh yeah. Like honestly, that would have... Change. It could have changed a lot of things, depending have, on, yeah. unless Luke pulled some trick from his pocket or whatever, but... Which is also very plausible. Yeah, it, it could have avoided a lot. Wait, but hasn't... I guess spoilers for the fifth book. Hasn't Luke... Because I remember Percy is like, why the heck did Luke live this tumble off the cliffs? And isn't it because he's already um, took a dip in a certain lake? River? No, I think he does that after the fact, doesn't he? I don't know. I, I think he it does was that. We'll have to I find he... out. Because <laughs> in the Battle of the Labyrinth, I think she. 
Percy's like, oh, Luke is hot again. <laughs> <laughs> Why does he look And that's again? because he's dipped himself yeah. into the... Yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, but either way, it's, it's quite a feat that Luke doesn't die here. <laughs> They're unsure if he's alive at this point. Annabeth, Percy, and Talia run over to Artemis and Zoe. Zoe's wound has been poisoned from stupid land and the dragon from his bite. Um, and it says grief hung in the air. Like there's this feeling that, that she is a lost, a lost cause at this point, I suppose. Nobody seems to be able to move and they would have all died right then because Luke's army of monsters crossed over the hill as it wasn't, if it wasn't for Dr. Chase. So good old Frederick Chase comes up in his antique plane and shoots at the monsters startling them into scattering, and Dr. Chase distracts the monsters. Artemis calls up her moon chariot, and I was like, is that what it's called? I don't know. The moon thing that she rides. It's Santa's sleigh, basically. They wrap <laughs> Zoe up in blankets, and they fly away from Mount Tamil Pace. So, I had some thoughts on this. Um, honestly, I'm like, Alice's punishment freaking sucks. That's awful. <laughs> I don't really okay. remember what he did, but that's awful. He's the he he's the right hand man of Kronos, so they try to kill yeah. all of the the gods. Was well, that so I, bad? <laughs> well, then I you compare it to like uh, Prometheus, who was just like, I just want humans to have fire, and Zeus was like, yeah. an eagle will eat your liver inter- like eternally. So comparatively. Atlas's like consequence kind of matched the crime. That's true. I just think like doing that for literally thousands of years. Uh, I'm like, can you just let him off? <laughs> Does it have to be eternal punishment? But Atlas kind of sucks, so I guess. I guess. I just that sounds awful. I also have a hard time because how Luke begs Talia, and is mm-hmm. like, if you don't kill this Bessie right now, he's going to use me. And I have a hard time believing that Kronos wasn't already planning to lose, use Luke regardless. Like, even if Talia killed Bessie and overthrew Olympus somehow, no one knows how that would work because it doesn't make sense. Kronos is still, he's still in pieces and would still need a body, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that's the whole idea. Is like, and I will, I will sit on this train even well into the end of the fifth book when some people's opinions are changed. Mm-hmm. But Luke sucks. Luke yeah. is the worst. Yeah, like, Luke and is that, like, stupid. Like, I think he, like, genuinely thought Kronos wouldn't use him here. And I'm like, yeah, he would. My argument is that he knew. He just didn't yeah. care. Like, for example, he chose Annabeth to be, like, rest, like to be kidnapped out of all of them because he needed someone to hold up the sky who was a woman mm-hmm. so that oh. Artemis can be baited into taking the sky from her. So who's the person who's going to help him while he's being crushed? It's Annabeth. So he yeah. uses Annabeth to hold up the sky to get Artemis. Yeah, that sucks. And then I'm sure the thing that he's really latching onto is like Talia, like this like Cronus is gonna use me and like I'm gonna die. You should care about this. And also, like, you know, what have our parents ever done for us? Like, I can appeal to you because he can't appeal to Percy. He's known Percy for, like, six months. Yeah. And Percy's like, I am the king of loyalty. (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. I I don't know that I think that Luke, like, knew that Kronos would use him. But I do think that Luke is a piece of crap, regardless. (laughs) Mm-hmm. because I'm like he yeah I agree yeah he totally like chose Annabeth to be used there and also probably because he knew that Percy would come and try to get Annabeth and he was like might as well get this kid in the same place as all this crap is going down like yeah and then I also was like Percy thinking of Bianca in the moment he holds up the sky is like really doing something to me emotionally. I'm like, it's so beautiful that he's like, he feels all this pain and he's so sure he's going to die, but he continues to hold up the sky with no end in sight just because he's like, oh, well, for her, do it for her. And I'm like, that's Mm -hmm. beautiful. And so like human and cool. Also, then I was like, that would be a good greeting card. Like I'd hold up the sky for you. What a good Valentine's Day card, you know? It's very cute. Thank you. I'm going to be an entrepreneur. Um, I also am just confused about can Dr. Chase see monsters? Or is he just shooting randomly? I think in order to be a mortal that 
can then fornicate with the gods you need to see a you need to be able to see through a certain amount of mist like i think sally could see the minotaur that's true and stuff like that so i think like if his wife had come up there i don't think she would have seen anything it's just been like the children standing around with other children she'd be like everything's fine here but like he's he has a child who is half god, so I think it gives him some rights to see some monsters. Do mortal to mortals? Do demigods do anything? Just look like people LARPing? It must. I mean, I mean, no, they, they don't even see the sword. That's the whole thing. Oh, no. Is like, remember when Rachel at the the Hoover Dam yeah. like sees the sword? Percy loses his mind because they're not supposed to be able to see the sword. I just want to think that anytime I see anyone LARPing, I'll feel like I know what you're really doing. You're fighting Dead a dragon. Dog. <laughs> it's Landon. A real dragon. <laughs> Our bro, Landon. Landon. Yep, that's my notes, so... All right. Oh, oh boy. Okay, so we still have a, a chapter to go, and it's sad. So prepare. <clears throat> chapter eighteen. A friend says goodbye. Annabeth is super thrilled that her dad saved them, and she was like, "That's so cool. You were so cool." And where did you even get bullets, celestial bronze bullets? And Doctor Chase says that. Annabeth had left behind quite a few half-blood weapons, so he had melted them down and made celestial bronze bullets just in case. Which is like, in this chapter, we take it as very cool having great foresight and like all of that stuff. But imagine like one of those things that he melted down was an antique three thousand year old weapon that is like specific, a gift from the gods to Annabeth, and he's like, I've made it into bullets. Yeah. <laughs> But it's fine. Percy at that moment can see why Athena was so attracted to him again. And she's like, he's like a bit of a mad scientist, which is like that like mix of military and like craving for wisdom and adventure and all that stuff that Athena loves. And clearly he's a nice looking man too. (laughs) Keeps mentioning it. Yep. All right. Zoe is dying and there's nothing anyone can do about it. Even a goddess as powerful as Artemis. Percy asks her, like, why can't you fix You're a goddess. Like, do something. And Artemis responds, life is a fragile thing, Percy. If the fates will the string to be cut, there is little I can do. Which is incredibly tragic. Zoe asks Artemis, like, have I served thee well? And Artemis responds, with honor. And she's like, I can rest now. Percy can see that the poison isn't actually what is killing her. It was her father's final blow. She had heard the prophecy and knew that she was going to be the one to die, and which is why she was looking to Bianca to become her new lieutenant in the first place. Mm-hmm. And she came on the quest anyway, knowing she was going to die at the end of it. She apologizes to Talia, saying that they could have been sisters, and she's so sorry that they argued. Talia says... You know, she's actually the one to blame. She should have listened to Zoe. Luke had actually turned out to be trash, and all men were trash. But Zoe turns to Percy and says, not all men. (laughs) Oh, no. Percy's a little bit... Percy's, like, going through emotions right now. He doesn't even process that she's saying all of this. She asks Percy to bring out Riptide and says that she is honored that he is the one who carries the sword. And he he's right. He's nothing like Hercules. He's so much better. Zoe then sees the stars again and she slowly and very sadly passes away. Artemis essentially removes Zoe's soul from her body as like a little like fluttery silvery thing in her hand and then sends it to the sky creating a new constellation of a hunter running across the sky with her bow and she says let the world honor you my huntress live forever in the stars i was like a little sniffly at this point i was like that's so beautiful bianca just got lost in the trash why didn't bianca get something like this like no I know that I know that Zoe was a hunter for longer, but this Bianca quite literally got lost in trash. 
they couldn't even find her body. Like, if they found her body, maybe at least they could have, like, done something about it, had, like, a funeral pyre or something. Like, no wonder Nico's so angry. Like, I know. I hope he doesn't hear about this. Like, Zoe gets a <laughs> constellation and Bianca gets trash. <laughs> Artemis goes to Olympus immediately. She has to go to the meeting and let everyone know, yeah, yeah, Cronus is a big deal, Dad. <laughs> She says goodbye to Annabeth and has a weird exchange with Talia, who's technically her half-sister. Yeah. And she doesn't think about. And she's like, Percy, you did well for a man. And then leaves. That's what I'm going to say to any man who ever does something well. I'll be like, hmm, that's pretty cool for a man. Percy takes it well. He's like, oh, this is the first time she called me a man instead of a boy. So like, I've leveled up. <laughs> Annabeth turns to her dad and says sorry for running away, but her father hugs her and tells her that he understands how difficult her life is and her choices have to be because of who she is. So he's like, you know, do whatever you need to do. We're going to be here for you. And gives her an awkward... Uh, Percy calls it awkward hug. I was like, it's just a hug from her father. Yeah. It doesn't need to be awkward. Aww. He's like, it's a little uncomfortable. Blackjack comes with his friends to rescue them and take them to Olympus. Dr. Chase is obviously losing his mind at the sight of a pe the pegasi because he's like, how do you balance? What is the thermodynamics of a horse with wings? Which I feel. Yeah. I understand that as well. Those are all valid questions. I know. The gang leaves and Talia immediately falls asleep on the back of her horse. Percy and Annabeth finally have time to talk. And I'm like, oh, I've missed having her because mm -hmm. she's very reasonable and Percy loves her so much. He's like, oh my God, my best friend's back. Annabeth admits that she and her father have been arguing for so many years. And Percy asks, like, maybe they've gotten, like, Annabeth kind of accuses him of, like, just because of what you saw was nice doesn't mean my experiences were invalid. Mm -hmm. And Percy's like, I never, ever imply that. I just want you maybe to consider the possibility that maybe your parents have gotten cooler since, you know, you last really talked to them and over the years. And it's possible. And she thinks, she's like, she kind of actually considers it. She's not mad at Percy for suggesting it. And I think she's like, they're all just like really sitting with emotions anyway. She thanks Percy for saving her life. And he's like, how did you know that I wasn't dead? And he's like, I just knew. Like, I know that you're my best friend. I can feel these things. And she's like, yeah, that's the same way. I know Luke isn't dead either. And the comparison oh. makes Percy very upset. He's like, did you not just hold up the sky because this asshole tricked you? But. Annabeth is very oblivious to all of this, like, feeling. Percy doesn't voice it. He just kind of gets quiet. And Annabeth thinks Luke is in trouble and is under Kronos' spell. And Percy just lets it go. He's like, I'm not going to fight you about you know, someone you care about and make you think that, you know, you shouldn't care about him. But I think you shouldn't care about him. Mm -hmm. But they're already at Olympus. And Talia's like, oh, God, look, the winter solstice, it's already started. The Council of the Gods has started. And I, my only note is I remember being pissed when I was younger that Annabeth was still holding out for Luke. And I thought maybe when I was older, I would understand it. And I still don't. Like, I sympathize in the way of, like, she really wants to see the good in him. But after this many, like, mess-ups, like, he's gotten so many second chances. It's not just that. It's the fact that Annabeth is so oblivious to Percy's feelings about the matter. So she's openly yeah. just being like, Luke is a good guy. And Percy's like, Bianca, you weren't there. You don't know who Bianca really is. But Bianca died because of this guy. Zoe died because of this guy. How are you not understanding that? And the fact that he just like let it go is very smart of him. But also I was just, I remember constantly, even in like the, until the last book. And even in the last book, I was constantly pissed at her. I was like, congratulations on being right only by chance. <laughs> I think it makes me think of in the second book when she sees the siren vision because I mm -hmm. think she just wants to fix Luke she wants to fix him and that's one of her fatal flaws you could want to fix him but why is she putting that emotion on Percy who has to fight him I do though I think of like have you ever or ever like had a friend who like you know someone who is friends with someone who sucks, but they keep making excuses for them. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> who 
I've never heard of it. Maybe. Okay, maybe I can sympathize with her more than I thought. Well, and maybe, also, I feel like it's harder to, like, I've definitely had people who were not that good to me, and I kept trying to think, like, oh, well, maybe they're going through something. And then, Mm. like, looking back, I'm like, no, I was just being stupid. Like, I just, I was just ignoring it. And I think that's, like, I can sympathize with Annabeth for doing that, you know? Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I just like the level of, like, the way that some people who I've defended have sucked. Yeah. Versus, like, killing people and trying to erase Western civilization. Just like, I mean, I guess that their lives are already more dramatic, so the scale is different. The scale of sucking is different. (laughs) But still, it's, I still get, I get really mad, especially in the fourth and fifth ones. In this one, I'm like, okay, she hasn't, she didn't know Zoe or Bianca. She hasn't really seen, like, all the stuff, like, all the impacts he's had. But by the fourth and fifth one, I'm like, dude, people you know have died. Like, she's, I know she's just, I know she's just, like, loyal to him, but it's just annoying. Yeah. Also, like, at that point, I guess it's easier for her to hide behind the fact that he's not really Luke anymore. Oh, that's true. Ooh. Yeah. She's like, it's not his actions that's, that's causing these consequences. And I'm like, yes, but it's his actions that led up to him not being who he is anymore that are causing these consequences. It's like, you know, like, if someone is going through something and you're constantly like, oh, it's because they're not themselves, but then it's like, oh, wait, it's actually because they're an asshole. Yeah. Okay, I got some lightning bolt round questions here. They're probably not not as fast as I wanted, but my first one. What would you name a dragon? Ooh. (laughs) I, you know, as someone who's always wanted a dragon, I should have had this picked out. Um, either something... I think wyvern would be very funny because it means dragon. And so it's like a really like stupid name. But it sounds like it's something out of like a Lord of the Rings. Exactly. (laughs) It's like this is my dragon dragon. Like it's amazing. Mm -hmm. Or I would go something like Sparky or something very like a child has named this dragon. Like this, I have like a very fearsome fire breathing dragon. I was like, this is my dragon spotty. So cute. <laughs> those are my two options, I think. I like those. I can't think mm. of anything. I'm just like puff. Puff. <laughs> the magic dragon. Um I don't know. What are the ones from Dragon Tales named? There was one named like Kessie or Cassie. She was my favorite dragon tail dragon. Don't know why. So like white girl names? Yeah, there was I don't yeah. remember there was a dragon named Ord. I didn't really like him though. I don't remember any of was the Was he other the dragons. blue one? He was the blue one. He was kinda like the big yeah. dumb one. Yeah. Yeah. I don't really remember any of the other dragons. They weren't interesting to me. Hmm? Oh Ducky. No, that's a dinosaur. <laughs> that's a dinosaur. Very different. I'm so sorry. Okay, here's my deeper question. Have you ever mm-hmm. had like a quote unquote holding up the sky moment? So, okay, for context, I had just finished um, John Green's new book after I read this, so I was, like, really thinking about the universe, specifically the essay by him called The Sycamore Tree, which is on his YouTube, where he reads it out loud. I would highly recommend it. It's just, like, a beautiful essay, but and about, like, existing in this world that is, like, you sometimes are like, what's the point of all of this? But then you see a tree, and you're like, that's the point. Anyway... I just really summarized that beautifully. Thank you. So I'm like, I th- I was thinking of like a holding up, like the moment where Percy is holding it and it's like, this is the most excruciating, terrible thing ever. But he got this weird urge to just continue doing it, even if he wasn't sure it's worth it. It's like this, like this going through something difficult or physically painful or emotionally painful. And you get this human, human urge to continue, even if you're like, I don't know what the point of any of this is. I just think that's, like, humanity at its crux, and that's what that whole essay by John Green is about. Highly recommend. But that's the long question that I have. So you have to give me a moment to think about this. So why don't you tell me yours, and... Okay, the one that I thought of in particular... Let me think of, like, how I 
I feel like I was thinking about this so much deeper when I wrote this question, and now I'm like, it's like sunny outside, and I'm like, I just want to go have a picnic in the park and not think about life, but yeah, (laughs) this is why I shouldn't do these outlines at night, but I was thinking of like, so mine, I was thinking of like this feeling of like when you're doing something awful, but then you get this weird urge to continue to exist even if it's like awful so the one that I thought of in particular that was like a visceral memory in my mind was when I was in college my sophomore year um I had a friend who committed suicide in college and I remember I heard about it the night before like at like midnight and me and like the group of friends were all like awake until like two in the morning all like talking about it and obviously like none of us really slept after and like by the time the light was out in the morning I just was like I need to physically do something like I was like I don't really want to like just sit in this like weird feeling of like not really fully like it hasn't really like hit me yet but I was like I want to do something and I remember it was pouring and like it's always raining in Seattle but it was like pouring pouring and I went on a a run on the track and I remember I was running around and I normally only run like a mile at a time because I hate running but I do it anyway and Mm -hmm. because running sucks and I remember I did like a mile and I just like got this weird like just like it was like an emotional burst of energy where I was just thinking of my friend and I was like like, I just was, like, I felt like it was, like, a weird urge to, like, bear witness to, like, the fact that he went through so much suffering to, like, keep running. It, like, didn't really make, like, it didn't make logical sense, but I just remember I kept running, and I don't know how. I ran, like, two miles. (laughs) Go me. (laughs) But I just remember, like, afterwards being, like, really soaking wet and cold. Also was listening to Taylor Swift on, like, it's such a weird visceral memory, And I remember, Mm -hmm. like, going back to my little dorm room and just feeling, like, amidst all this, like, I, like, it wasn't, like, it was, like, amidst all this, like, impending grief almost, like, knowing that the next couple of weeks were going to be really messy and yucky and hard. Just, like, I felt very, like, alive. And, like, I I felt like I wanted to be alive. Even though it was, like, I was still holding up the sky you know like still holding up that grief but I got this weird urge to just continue to do so that's what I thought of when I read that essay by John Green and simultaneously read this chapter I was like this is just so very deep in Percy Jackson here that was lovely thank Thank you you. for sharing that you're welcome that was a good connection that like lined up with that chapter really well. I think like when I was because I had just read that book and then I read this chapter and I just like really thought of that moment where I was like that's what it felt like like in this pain but somehow for some reason was like I want to keep running even though this run has nothing to do with the actual situation but at the same time I guess it did Eh, whatever deep Mm. thoughts deep thoughts Mm -hmm. interesting um, <laughs> I guess mine's is more like every time I think of like a story, it's more of like I compartmentalize. That's valid, and that's what it's actually happening. I'm like, yeah, I'm holding up the weight of the sky, and I'm like, no, you're just not processing the feelings, <laughs> girl. Um, for me, it was it's a very specific memory. I had just found out my um my dad had been diagnosed mm-hmm. with um cancer and then we had found out the kind of cancer it was and at the time um the doctor basically told us like it's like a non-hodge it was non-hodgkin cns lymphoma and at the time the doctor was like yeah you know it's better than what we thought it was going to be we thought it was going to be something a lot more drastic so we think it's better than we thought it was going to be so instead of like six months he can you know if you're lucky we can have him for like five more years and I was, like, over the moon. I was, like, this is incredible. Mm-hmm. This is the best news. Mm-hmm. Um, and I remember I, like, was in physics in college. And I was just, like, reading through what the the diagnosis meant and this and that. And then I went – I should have gone home. Yeah. But I was, like, I need to go to class. Like, it's very important for me to continue to do my day like I normally would. Like, everything has to be completely the same. And – I went to um, I went to class and 
I went through like the entire day and I went to a lot of different classes and I was like telling people, I was like, my friends who were like, hey, did you find out what's going on? I told them and they were like, are you okay? And I was like, this is great. Like, no, this is good. And then um, the moment of like really feeling the weight, I think was I was sitting in class and I was in my microbiology class and they were like, and then the bacteria or whatever we were talking about, like it, it dies. And I just like burst into tears. Mm-hmm. You're like, not the like, bacteria. <laughs> I was like, how is it dying? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, my version of burst into tears, I thought I burst into tears. I thought it was really, like, everyone saw me, this and that. My friend later, he told me that I had one tear yeah. stream down You probably just had a little frown. I know, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> the feelings are pouring Disgusting. out of me. And I think it was the continuation of, like, that year. I just continued to do school, and I continued to be in school, which was, I don't know if it was the best decision, but it was, like, I took I took a ridiculous amount of classes. I was doing all the classes that I needed to do because I was, like, okay, the thing that would stress my family out the most is me not being in school. And so, like, in order to continue to keep everyone, like, to, to play my part in the story, I need to continue to do school, and I need to do well in school. So... That was the feeling of holding up the sky because I continued to go through school and like, and the moment that I let go of it was like later I stopped trying as hard because I was like, nothing matters, everything's awful. And I did the best I've ever done academically. Oh, nice. I know. And I was like, cool. So the, the key was to give up. <laughs> <laughs> Is that the moral of the story? That's the moral of the story. I think, yeah, my holding up the sky moments are very much more like I need to keep going like you just have to keep one foot up to the other because there are other people who are relying on you or other things that need to happen in order for you and so you just don't have that moment to have the emotional response that you need to yeah well you probably should have the emotional response that you need to yes and then that happens later once you're able to put that weight down it's like you can have that emotional response and like until you can put that and and the uh, amount of adrenaline and the amount of like I don't know how I managed to even stand upright for that Mm -hmm. year or two years that it was all going on like Mm -hmm. the fact that I did I think was just me keeping one foot after the other being like okay there'll be an end in sight and once it's over we will process this it's wild to look back on those like holding up the sky moments and be like that like I'm like how Percy describes like I can never describe what this was like to anyone and like, it's something that he did and went through, but he's like, I don't know how I did that, and I don't know, I can't describe that. And it's mm-hmm. wild to look back on those and think, like, it's so, like, beautifully, tragically, awfully human to just, like, persevere through it. Mm-hmm. And it is, like, I, I, like, look at all the, like, Percy went through that. It's totally different than, like, what we're describing. <laughs> like, I know. Like, grief and sickness and all that <laughs> that stuff but it's like people persevere through those things and then there are things that come out like in the next like books of Percy Jackson that are really good and wonderful and I think the same thing with life like there are things that if when you persevere through those really difficult moments like there's something weird and innate and human of like continuing and if you don't want to continue talk to your doctor or your therapist like like it yeah and there's a yeah there's also the idea of like you need other people to help you bear the weight yeah like how the only way to stop holding up the sky is for someone to actually take it from you exactly not that like that totally directly translates because it's like no here take my problems bye (laughs) like here, per- trained professional, take my problems and help me learn and help how to me cope carry with them it. together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. <laughs> That's good. And then I have another mm. question. Oh my god! Well, okay. I had three, so I have another question. Yeah. And I was like, maybe I should have saved this deep one for last because <laughs> I was like, am I going to give this story and then go randomly like I want to be a dolphin constellation? But I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I am. What kind of constellation would you be made into? Oh, that's a good question. Um, See, the thing is, so I saw the stars yesterday for the first oh. time in a long time, it feels, because I'm, like, at my parents' place, and we have finally had a clear night, and I was out late mm-hmm. outside, and I was like, oh, my God, like, there's the Big Dipper. And I was like, constellations, you're stupid. Like, no <laughs> offense. Like, 
they're like connect the dots but in the stupidest way possible they don't like, make you any have sense. to connect the, they don't make any sense so i want something that actually looks like it so i think it'd be like orion's belt at least somewhat makes sense the big dipper somewhat makes sense but you're like trying to show me like the swan or the giraffe and i'm just like please that's not real that's like someone with a hyperactive imagination was like that triangle with the little four other lines that's that's the giraffe <laughs> Um, so I think I'd want to be something simple, like a line, something that people could always see and always connect, just a line. I want to be able to be seen and I want to be able to people to be like, or like a triangle. So every time, like even a small child can just connect the dots and be like, that's the triangle, Monica's triangle. There's Monica's in the triangle. <laughs> I'm not the triangle. It could be oh, my triangle. It's your my triangle. musical instrument of choice. Oh, like Orion's belt, Monus's triangle. Yeah, Monus's triangle, not Monus of the triangle. Just a SpongeBob line. the SquarePants. <laughs> Just a line. It's Monus's stick. Like <laughs> <laughs> I would be I'm sure they'd find a way to make it into a sword for me that has like flames on the end yeah. with their imagination. Yes, yes. But yeah, that's good. Me, I'm su- not at all surprised that you want to be a dolphin. Oh, it's better than that. I actually went the complete opposite of you, where I was like, constellations don't look like anything. So I could be the most absurd thing that people that doesn't look like it, and people are like, yes, mm-hmm. that is that that is Aaron. I want to be a dolphin reading a book, <laughs> specifically <laughs> that's a good uh, one of like feminist literature. <laughs> <laughs> Just absurd, and someone's like, ah, oh, yes. There's Erin. There you see, there's the book. <laughs> <laughs> Look at her. She's reading Sylvia Plath. <laughs> oh, that's the bell jar tonight. <laughs> it changes every night. <laughs> so stupid. Oh, man. I love that so much. Thank you. Thank you. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, that was a heavy hitter. Yeah. Sorry, you guys. Like That ended up being very deep. I have a feeling... We're going to have a couple of these chapters yeah. that are a little bit deeper than we expect going forward. Yeah, one per, maybe one per book as a treat. Yeah, I think that's fair. <laughs> as a treat. You know, every time they kill off a character yeah, or like, hurt oh, us emotionally. Disgusting. You have to get yeah. deep about it. When Annabeth and Percy finally get together, we're just going to have, um, you know, what, 60 minutes of us just screeching. Yeah. Annoyingly, so prepare for that. yeah. Annoyingly, yeah. Oh, versus unannoyingly, yeah. screeching into yeah. your ears. I have a normal, yeah. my, my, my palatable screech. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so next episode, we're finishing the book, Whoa. chapters 19 and 20. See how this book ends. I mean, we've gotten most of the big things out of the way, but we still have to go through the councils of the gods and see what happens to our little sea cow. Yeah. Gonna find out about Bessie. And please make sure that you are following us on social media at Camp Hofgod on Twitter and Instagram. And you can participate every week in our lightning bolt questions on the Instagram stories. So hit those up, collecting lots of important data. Ooh. <laughs> and email us for any inquiries or if you wanted to send us your lightning bolt questions, if you uh, have any other thoughts you want to get down via electronic mail format, we are at Camp Half Pod at gmail.com amazing and don't forget to rate and review us on apple Podcasts. even if you don't listen on apple Podcasts, just go find it give us five stars put a little emoji in the review and you're good to go all right thanks you guys Bye.